Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are. I'm David Robertson and I'm here in near Edinburgh and I'm joined today by Dave McConaughey here outside of Boston. How are you doing this morning, David? I'm very well. I'm officially on strike, um, but as I don't get paid for this, um, I'm not I'm not considering this to be work. In fact, it is a, a pleasure to be back on the uh, on the or hosting the RSP with with uh, with you, Dave. Well, um, we know we stand in in solidarity with you across across the ocean as you try to get um, economic and um, work justice for all of your coworkers there. Absolutely. And for me, the biggest issue is not so much about money. It's about the lack of transparency and uh, the dishonesty that um, I've seen from the various bodies that we're negotiating with. These kind of uh, employment issues are serious across the um, across the you know, across the sector, as we know. Um, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But for now, let's introduce the episode. Um, this episode, which is astonishingly the 323rd numbered episode, is um, was recorded by Dave. And it is an interview with Sarah Imhoff and M. Cooper Harris about the founding of the journal American Religion. So uh, this will be very interesting for me. And I'm going to pass over to Dave. Hi, this is David McConaughey, and today I'm at the 2019 American Academy of Religion meeting in beautiful, warm San Diego. For those of us that may be coming to this conference from many thousands of miles away where it is cold and snowy and causing airplane delays, it is such a relief to walk off the airplane. It is 65 and sunny and beautiful, and the beach is right off of the convention center. How anybody comes to anything at this, I don't know. But today I'm joined by two wonderful people that have a wonderful new thing to share with you. I'm joined today by Sarah Imhoff and Cooper Harris. Sarah, would you introduce yourself for all of our listeners? Yes, I'm Sarah Imhoff. I'm an associate professor at Indiana University Bloomington, where I'm in the Religious Studies Department and the Bourne's Jewish Studies Program. And I'm a co-editor of American Religion, our new journal. I'm so excited. And Cooper, would you introduce yourself? Yes, I am Cooper Harris. I am an assistant professor in the Department of Religious Studies at Indiana University in Bloomington, and I also am a co-editor of American Religion. I am so excited about this new journal. As an Americanist myself, it is quite the thing to be around for the birth of a new journal. Can can you talk about why in the field of American religion or American religious history or religion and American culture, we have all these journals? What inspired you to start a new journal? Yeah, it's been a project that's quite a few years in the making, one of the things that Cooper and I both noticed was that there was a lot of really exciting work that was happening that we thought of as belonging in a field of American religion, but wasn't being published in journals that are traditionally associated with American religious history or religion in American culture. And sometimes even the scholars who were doing it didn't envision themselves as religious studies scholars, but we saw ourselves as being able to learn so much from this. And we also saw connections among that scholarship. So we wanted to bring those voices together. Yeah, really to create a place for for people who 
work in these what to us are fascinating ways uh, to to sort of create a new vision of what the subfield might be and, and to cultivate and curate that in the process. So can can you give me an example of of a a work that was connected in this new kind of identity that you're you're expressing that that wouldn't have had a home before, perhaps maybe even from the brand new newly released uh, issue. What what's a great example to think of when we think there wasn't really a great place for that? It didn't have a home before, and now it does. We gave it a home. I what, the one that that sticks immediately to mind. Although I think many or if, or all of these would qualify on on certain levels, but. Uh, and I'm pulling open to the table of contents here to make sure I get this uh, correctly. But it's uh, a Spencer Dew's article on intellectual property, uh, intellectual property law in uh, in Puerto Rico, uh, in, in indigenous uh, movements, Tano indigenous movements. Um, I mean, what, one of the things that this does is it uh, it so it's it's his. Historical, but it, it it's historical in a in a different way. It relies critically on legal thought, legal theory. Kind of, uh, there's some social theoretical dimensions that are there. It also pushes and expands on what we mean by um, by the word America. And this is one of the things that we really deliberately want to make happen with the journal is to push on. You know, there there's. Uh, you, you very nicely summarized in the beginning sort of religion in America, American religious history, American religion. And that's one of the things that we've been toying with and thinking about as we've sought to bring new, um, scholars and scholarship together is what counts, what counts within this formulation? What counts within these words? What does it mean to study religion? What does it mean to study America? What is that? And, and, uh, or the Americas or, um, never mind the prepositions. Right. And, and one of the things that, that, that I noticed is, is the journal title, American Religion. But what I heard in, even in your response there was maybe a little pushback that, that, that there's a secret S on the end of that, right? That it's, that is plural from, from the outset. Is it, am, am I hearing that correctly or, or is that? So I would say yes and no. In some ways, we want to be capacious and not think of American religious history as just sort of church history 2.0. We really do want to see spaces for non-Christian religions. Um, and as a scholar of Judaism, I very much see this, the ways that the field can sometimes default back to a Christian model. Um, so in that sense, yes, religions, plural, but also the idea of religion as a category. And there we do see it as singular, even if it's not well-defined, it's nebulous, but we see it as um, not necessarily a singular object of study, but it gets talked about in a way that is singular. And we thought there was something to hold on to about that too. So, so if I can, I'll, I'll put on the critical theorist hat. It, it, have you gotten pushback about about that potential line of essentialism? Um, and if so, what kind of form does it take? Well, the, the very first uh, article in our journal, American Religion, is, uh, is by Melissa Wilcox. Uh, and her title is Words Kill Sex and the Definition of U.S. Religion. Mm -hmm. And she has almost immediately... Um, yes, her very first footnote. So the very first footnote in the very first article of the very first... Uh, issue of the journal says, from here on, I use the term U.S. religions, uh, both to clarify, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the things I really, we really like and appreciate about this is that we have this, 
this vision and understanding of the nomenclature, but we also want that to be an invitation for people to push back at it. It becomes a formulation that's very much, that's very much under conversation, very much in process, very much, um, yeah, I would say in process is, is the way that we, we want to set this up. Yeah. And so in some way, American religion sounds like it's another journal about U.S. religion. And in some ways it is because we're interested in the discursive formation of America, which is the banner under which the U.S. appears so many times. But also we do think about this as a chance to challenge and critique and think in new ways about the Americas. So South America, Canada, the Caribbean, Latin America, what do those things mean? And what do we see about them when we consider religion? And, and also transatlantic and transpacific sort of, uh, so, so thinking about sort of transness as well, um, at, within this category of, well, we have the category of religion and then the category of America is one way to think about it. It's not this singular thing, but a, a set of dis- discourses. I had a, a piece of writing recently, and I forget exactly what context this was, but but the clear memory of it was that I was I was chastised for using America to stand in for the United States of America when who knows whether I had meant North America or Latin America or uh, perhaps colonial American holdings abroad. You suggested when I asked for an example from from the work that's really pushing that kind of broader picture, you pointed to an article about Puerto Rico. And, and I'm guessing that there is a geographical diffusion that, that items, the pieces that come to your journal are going to offer that really kind of connect uh, the dots. So many people, when they think about the U.S., see the continental U.S., as as the end of the story and then alaska wonders where it got left off the map but even if you include alaska and even if you include hawaii we still as the united states have what 30 uh or more international territories including military bases including islands in the pacific islands in the caribbean um are you hoping in the future that you will really be able um to explore that diffusion Yes. I think one of the things that we think about is what does it mean that the U.S. has been an empire and continues to be imperial in many ways? And what does it mean that the contemporary boundaries of the U.S. are not the boundaries that we see throughout its history? Colonial America looks geographically so very different from the contemporary U.S. So attending to the fact that there isn't one stable entity, even if we just take the U.S., uh, that it's changes over time, and that matters. What would you say to people that already have a large body of journals that they're looking at? If you had to pitch them, I'm hearing some different versions of, of the pitch, that this is a space for discursive reflection about the major terms in a particular area of the field, that this is a an expression of um, critique about how some of those formulations have been done. But I also saw your teaser on Twitter that included um, a very wonderful poem. Can, can you talk about some of the other kind of work and maybe what role that plays in, in how you're defining scholarship for your journal? Sure. No, that's uh, one of the things that we're, well, we're incredibly excited about the research articles, which we see as sort of creating new knowledge, new bodies of knowledge. But the other 
components of the journal. There's uh, among among journals that specialize in religion in the Americas, religion in American culture, uh, do not publish book reviews. So we will have an active, vibrant uh, book review section. Uh, we are interested in uh, publishing creative work. So uh, Elizabeth Perez. This poem in our first issue, and we have some other things, some fascinating things in the, in the hopper, and would encourage submissions uh, from anyone who has uh, any kind of artistic or creative interest, fiction, nonfiction, but also material arts, photography, uh, visual art. Uh, we will figure out a way to make it work. Uh, we have a an ongoing. I think every every issue will have at least one review essay. That is not about books, but uh, although it could be about books, but it would be maybe about something else. So our first uh, issue has uh, Catherine Lofton writing on uh, the bootleg series, Bob Dylan's bootleg series um, from the gospel period. Uh, we have one, I think, coming up on the word surreal, a review essay on the word surreal, uh, written by a, a scholar and artist who's going to sort of uh, a scholar of religion who's also an artist uh, working through that um, set. And and again, we want to do some maybe cuisine, fashion, these kinds of things. Giving scholars of religion, it doesn't have to be about religious dimensions of these things. The the, the people we have, our, our readers and our writers bring the, the quote-unquote religion to it. It's about sort of cultural assessment seen through the lens of people who are trained or working in the field of religious studies. Yes. So one of the things that we love about this is that already in the classroom, we use creative things. We have our students look at poems. We have our students read literature. We have our students look at visual things. Um, and we think about them in our own scholarship. So seeing a journal as a space for creative material felt right and natural for us, even if that wasn't standard for others. Um, another thing that we have that we're super excited about is the website, which has materials that are often shorter than you would find in a traditional journal. They're scholarly and yet they're accessible. And the journal becomes, um, it really comes to life in certain ways. We can host things on the website that can't really appear very well in the journal. We can have things like photo essays. We can have interactive spaces. We can have teaching resources so that even if your library doesn't subscribe to the journal, you can see that as a space for you. Um, and so we've got three sections right now. Uh, I encourage you, it's American hyphen religion.org. I encourage you to go check it out. We've got new material that shows up there um, several times a month. How easy was it to decide that you wanted to be a transmedia uh, publication? Was, was that an easy decision? Was that a, how do we do this? How do, how do we sustain it in the long run? Can you, can you speak think, to that? I mean, the decision itself was a no brainer. <laughs> the, the question then became how to make this happen. And we're fortunate to have uh, some very, very talented friends in that regard, I think, um, who not only helped us make it happen, but helped us to imagine, helped us to curate uh, to think up these categories, um, it, it, that it, it all has been collaborative in one way or another, but the website is one of the places where we really see, uh, kind of just a lot of people getting on the shovel and, and, and thinking and making, uh, and, and, uh, ma making this happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, Megan Goodwin designed the website. And right now we have three people who are each curating a space on the website. And so Seth Perry is currently curating a group of things that he's calling empty spaces. And that's thinking about the emptiness that can you can find in a field site. Um, Alyssa Maldonado Estrada is curating something um, that is looking at visuals. And she has a wonderful essay there about tattoos and sacramental dimensions of tattoos. Yes. It's yeah. wonderful. Um, and Brandon Bain has a section there that is dedicated to pedagogy, so a space to think. And the project that's in that pedagogy space right now is rethinking the Americas. Mm. How should we design courses? How should we design exam lists for graduate students if we are taking seriously the idea of religion in the Americas? Right, that kind of classic thing where you know the old the 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 old horse of uh, here are the Puritans, uh, maybe here are the Catholics, uh, and then eventually maybe you get to the Spanish colonial context and destroying that narrative, just abandoning it entirely. You you have so many collaborators uh, on this project. I, I was looking through the list of. Um, at-large editors and your advisory board. Um, what was the process of, of recruitment uh, for that like for you? How did, how did you decide who would make an excellent uh, editor for you? And this begins a transition perhaps in the podcast for everybody listening. I'm going to ask some questions about how this item came into being and about some of the more practical elements of, of giving birth to a, to a journal in this age, right? Uh, so... But first, maybe, how did you recruit all the best people to join you in your project? Well, this connects back to part of our earlier conversation when we talked about a need we saw. One of the first things we did after we had identified this was to scrounge around for some funding and have a workshop. And so many of the scholars you see on the editorial board were on our desired list for this workshop to get these people together and have them talk to one another. And in many cases, they hadn't known about one another's work. And so that was part of what really convinced us. In fact, the idea for a journal came out of that first workshop from the people in the room. They said, you know, we want to continue this conversation. We know all of these other people who belong in it. Let's have a new journal. Was there was there a thought that it that it might have been something else at that point? Do you, you're you're shaking your head. Yes. And yes. No. Yes and no. It could have been anything. It was. Should we have a journal? Should we have a website? Should we try to make an annual meeting? Should we? Anything was possible. We needed the funding and the human power to do it. Uh, but I think we're really happy the way this has turned out. Yeah, the the what uh, the, both the the power the dauntingness it's, it's daunting, but the the power of the journal is that it is something that that continues that isn't uh, sort of a one time document, uh, but is something that will um, continue on and and change and tack back in different directions and these this kind of thing. So it's it's uh, the beginning of a kind of uh, free ranging conversation. Um, that will continue. Yeah, free-ranging conversation. And some of the other things that we felt came out of that workshop were ideas about the subfield and the profession and how we could do it better. What would peer review look like if we could try to be more constructive? So one of the things that we're trying out is 
singly anonymous peer review Mm -hmm. so that the reviewer knows the identity of the author. And this came out of the experience of many of us who have published books who found that that singly anonymous review process generated reviews that tended to be more generous in their reading and more generous in their critique, not just saying this doesn't work, but saying what about this thing? So, so far that's been a good experience, but that's one example. Another example is really encouraging and making space for on our editorial board and other places, uh, contingent scholars, adjuncts, encouraging the work of graduate students, which is another way that that we hope singly anonymous peer review process can really help out graduate students move their work forward to the next level. I I think that's a really interesting. I I had not known that about your peer review project. For many of us that are so used to double blind um, review, uh, always reviewer number two, right? The nasty (laughs) nasty one who is willing to say anything. Uh, You just kick the can like goodbye. Goodbye review number two. We never have to see or hear from you again. Um, was, was that a freeing decision? It sounds like it was a, uh, was a liberating decision, uh, for you. I, I think so. I mean, there's the experience of the book, um, like Sarah described the, um, receiving reviews from books. Also there are, there's another journal or two out there that, that do this and having performed those kinds of reviews, public culture, uh, I public think. culture. Yeah. Um, and having done a review for them, it was, it was sort of, yeah, it was freeing as a reviewer and it, and it just seems like in a, in a way it, it it builds um it it builds a a kind of um connection or camaraderie that's there in it in its best iteration it, it's easier to be kind right when yeah. you when you know that there's a human like it, the anonymization of the process it doesn't turn us into trolls. I don't, I don't know. I know that I'd go that far, but, but it opens that space to be critical and unthinkingly critical, right? Mm-hmm. That, that yeah. when you have a name attached to it, you can, um, really understand to whom you're speaking and, and why you would want to help them make a product that, that you want to share, right? That that's a collaboration at that point. Yeah. I yeah. do think it makes reviewers think of the process as a helpful one. There's a human on the other side who authored this. They're trying to write a good article. How can I help them write a good article? Rather than my my main audience here is the journal, and it's my job to say thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. So you recruited all your all the best people all, all and and substantially friends many of these people in in the field of american religion is not that big and and we know personally many uh, of the people that are kind of collaborating on it but i don't know that many of us experience the birth of a new journal right the the founding of a new journal can you talk about some of what you had not expected to have happened when you decided to publish a, a thing? Cause it, it, I think you both have published books before, right? And that process isn't, is potentially as unclear as it is to, to, to everyone, but journals are totally different, right? Normally you think about a journal and it's got a 20 or 50 or an 80 year history. And so its birth is so long in the past that we can't, we can't really compare it to today. So what surprised you about that process? I mean, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was feeling that there was an opportunity to create this, this thing the way that we wanted it to go. Um, I had some background. I had been a managing editor for a journal in the past. So I had a sense of how these flows go. And, and Sarah's 
certainly knows uh, is, is well published uh, as anyone. So she she knows the um, I think the process quite well as well. And so one of the things, and and we also have other people advising us who who know about this. And so um, I think one of the things that was pleasantly surprising was feeling uh, was was enjoying or appreciating the fact of trying to to mold this, to take things that we knew existed, but then also trying new things and, and having this kind of experimental sensibility at the core of what we were doing, knowing that we wanted a website, knowing that that doing this gave us some latitude to try uh, some different things as well. Um, and then also the attempt to kind of grow the field as well. It's, it's relatively small, but we want it to be bigger uh, in, in some ways. Yes, I would say we have a very capacious understanding of who counts as in the field of American religion. We want everyone who helps inform our work, and we want people to feel welcome. We want it to be a welcoming field. We think those are the most intellectually productive fields. I would say for me, the thing that was has been the most surprising is how much in the process of shaping a journal we could make the calls. There is not a clear pattern that says you must do this, your journal must have these kinds of things, but must not have these kinds of things, down to choosing a font. We made most of the intellectual decisions, maybe all of the intellectual decisions, and many of the aesthetic ones, too. So it even more than I would say uh, the process of creating a book, we had we got to decide the structure in addition to some of the content. Right. And and that went from what kinds of things can be submitted, what what the what the appearance of them uh, is when they're in print, what the appearance of them if they're going to be on the website, how we can have kind of a, a dual curation model almost between the print side and then uh, the website side and, and your new cover. And we will make sure to, to prominently display a picture of it. Uh, but just as this lovely, highly suggestive um, uh, figure with flowing hair and um, it goes onto the back cover and there's constellations and it's this uh, deep blue color uh, against a very um, starkly white uh, uh, background. It's so striking. It, you can spot it from across the room so easily. The freedom to make those decisions sounds so powerful. I can see in both of your faces that it just makes you happy to think about uh, how you can shape that. What do you think that you would like this to be? five years down the road, 10 years down the road, when the time comes as it must for maybe all projects for you to pass the reins on to the next people, what do you hope that you will, you will give them uh, at that time? That's a great question. And some of it, I want to demur and say, I don't quite know yet, because I want this journal to be responsive to the field and responsive to the lessons we learn early on. So I think that I would have different answers if you asked me in a few years. But at this point, I would say that thinking of the journal as a space that is recognizable to people who come from many different disciplines, anthropologists, literary scholars, artists, historians, 
that it's a space that all of those people recognize and feel that they can have a conversation that they have ownership in. I also think starting with our next issue, we will have the abstracts appear both in English and Spanish. And so I also really hope for the journal that it becomes a place that pushes the rest of the field of American religion to think better about places that aren't just the continental U.S., so Latin America in particular. Um, and I hope that's a legacy that that we leave as editors. You, you said it so well. Um I think the other, and maybe I will not demur, and I will say in, in five to 10 years, uh, the, uh, having the feeling of, of passing on something that, um, that did make a real difference in the field, that did whatever that shape is, uh, that we had a, a, a hand in, a real hand in, and that, uh, be it through the, Languages, we're also open to, we have, you know, if, insofar as we have the resources, uh, publishing in, not in English, um, uh, that's part of our, I think it's part of our submission policy now. Uh, but this, which is just one example, but, but down the line to say, you know, this is, this is something that has really, uh, driven the subfield in, in, in new directions. And yeah, so I, I will not demur. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad those are both such, powerful ways about thinking about starting a journal and a transmedia journal as interventionist, right? That, that we can, here's a deliberate thing we can do and we're open to the possibilities of what it might become in the future, but we need that intervention, right? Because if we don't, if we don't make it, if we don't open the languages of scholarship up to Spanish and English, when there are more Spanish speakers than English speakers, right? In the Americas, if you count them that way, right? That, um, that we have really closed off those avenues of, of understanding things in a much more open and broad and contextualized way. It's really so great to hear that. Um, let me, let me end by thanking you both for joining me here today. And since we're at the conference, um, and I know everyone hates the question when you, you meet someone at the conference, you're like, you know, if it's a graduate student, you don't ask, how's the dissertation <laughs> going, right? That's absolutely forbidden. <laughs> you, you also perhaps don't ask, well, what are you working on? Cause after doing that five or six times, <laughs> right? It becomes this formulaic little nugget that you really don't want to, to do. So let me ask instead what, what I heard. What's one thing you've learned? while you've been here at the conference, maybe from a panel or maybe in a discussion that, that, uh, that has you excited that, that you heard this weekend already. And we're, we're only on, on day two of, of, uh, uh, five, right? <laughs> if you count Tuesday morning's final sessions. I can tell you what I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the ultimate demur right there. <laughs> well, I heard a, uh, an excellent conversation yesterday um, centering around um, Charles Long. I was here and speaking and, and this, this sort of fascinating, fascinating sort of uh, round robin of, of people who are thinking about um, religion and science in, in, what I take to be new and exciting ways. It's not something I know a great deal about, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and feel uh, expanded by it. So, Last night I was part of a conversation about what has been called a manthology in which... A whole panel, right? Yes. 
I've done some work on um, bibliometrics, so citations and thinking about how we can have more ethical and more representative practices in our scholarship, including publishing. And that conversation was both supportive in the sense that the conversation spent some time identifying problems, but spent a lot of time thinking about ways to go forward given those problems. So in that sense, it was really supportive. Um, and it was also really lovely to see people across sub-disciplines thinking together about how we can have better practices of scholarship. So it was a kind of meta-conversation about what we could do as a guild and then also beyond the guild. What do we do with activists and other modes of knowing and how do we properly acknowledge them or bring them into the practice of knowledge making and scholarship? That sounds very exciting. I was I was sad to have missed the the mandology uh, uh, panel. I was otherwise engaged at that moment. Uh, I'm so thankful for you both and your time here today. Can you remind everyone where they can go to uh, to find the journal and to take part in submissions if they care to do that? Yes. So the, probably the quickest way to find the journal or to, to find links to it to everything that people would need is through our website, which is www dot uh, American minus dash minus <laughs> hyphen but only once religion dot <laughs> org. So I'll say that again, American dash religion dot org. Uh, we have a link to the journal information there. Uh, you also can find us through the Indiana University Press website, um, which is www.iupress.indiana.edu backslash journals backslash. And then uh, for all of the social media friends, you are on Instagram and, and on Twitter as well. And so when, when we post this, we will be broadcasting it everywhere. So join us on Twitter for that. Fabulous. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you, David. Thank you very much, David. Excellent interview, Dave, and really um, interesting conversation. We've not had a, an interview like that, as far as I'm aware, directly sort of talking about what goes into establishing a journal and um a you know the 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 editorial process uh, and you know how you how you work with that area and and nurture something like that so yeah very interesting thanks for organizing that well i had a, a fun time talking to them they're they're both um enjoyable charismatic folks to talk to and they were very generous with their with their time with me and uh I know that you especially are are in a position to appreciate the interview because you are an editor of a journal yourself. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your editorial work with the journal Implicit Religion, which has a collaboration with the Religious Studies Project? Sure. Um, Yeah, Implicit Religion, Equinox... In 2016, when the founding editor, Edward Bailey, died, um, Janet Joyce Equinox asked Chris and I if we'd be interested in relaunching um, Implicit Religion as a journal of critical religion um, as a sort of collaboration with the Religious Studies Project. Chris wasn't really in a situation to do it at the time, but I was um, I was up for the task. Um, and I 
became editor along with uh, Jack Lachlan originally back in 2016. And I remain so. Uh, I've just been joined um, this year by Carmen Becker um, from Leipzig University in Hanover, who you may be aware of. Um, she's done quite a lot of work in the critical field in Germany. And uh, we met at a, a conference in Hanover a few years ago. And yeah, so it's been a, it, it, it's certainly the first few years of relaunching something. It's very challenging in terms of not only learning what to do on a practical level as an editor, you know, how to put things through peer reviews, how to ask people to do reviews for you, um, how to work with the copy editors and everything else. Um, and it's been a long, slow progress, but I th think we are finally getting somewhere um, this year. Carmen joining, we've, um, you know, updated our, you know, the descriptor of the journal and we've added a subtitle to make our mission clearer. It's now Implicit Religion, Journal of the Critical Study of Religion. Um, we've added some new people to the editorial board. Um Naomi Goldenberg, for instance, joined this year, and we are really starting to to get somewhere. We've we've started doing these features based on RSP interviews as well. We call them RSP spotlights, where we publish the transcript of the interview and commission a series of responses, similar to the responses that we have on a week to week basis, but much larger and more in depth, more like a serious piece of. Um, uh, a serious piece of academic writing rather than a blog post. Um, we have a couple of those in progress at the moment. We're going to have one based on my interview with Bruno Latour. Um, that's probably a couple of years away, um, but we're working on one right now, which grew out of the Scientology roundtable that I chaired. We've previously done them. Um, the, the most recent one was on Chris Cotter's interview on uh, is secularism a world religion, um, which provoked quite a, a lot of debate so those are those are worth checking out um we also have an issue coming up later this year developing tim fitzgerald and the anniversary of of the ideology of religious studies this actually came before my interview with him in fact um it was a panel at last year's easr possibly the year before i can't remember um, hosted by Suzanne Owen and Timu Tyra, and I approached them about putting together an issue in Implicit Religion. Um, and that is coming together and will be out later this year. And it was in the process of doing that that I made uh, contact with Tim again and we talked about doing the interview. So although the interviews come out first, it's actually um, developed out of the special issue. So it's been really interesting. It's been a lot of work, but um, very rewarding to see um, actually what I think might end up being um, a very worthwhile journal for the critical study of religion. Um, I want to, of course, invite any of our listeners and, and contributors to consider uh, contributing to the journal. And um, if, you get, if you get asked to do a peer review for me, I'd appreciate that too. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's uh, 
it's an interesting thing, and a lot of my energy, all my RSP time is really going to the journal just now. Um, now that I've been able to to have you and Bree um, so ably take over the sort of presenting and editorial duties here. Well, we're delighted to uh, to help shift the burdens so that you can continue the important work that was uh, started um, uh, by Bailey when he founded that journal. I'm also about to introduce something that happened at the EASR. This is again from the 2019 EASR, and it's again from Sidney Castillo, who did such excellent work bringing us a range of conversations. So next time, we have Sidney Castillo's interview with Yulo Volk on the vernacular religion in Northeast India, the many faces of epistemological uncertainty. And I'm excited to share that with you coming up on Monday. But until then, we say thanks Thanks for for listening. The RSP is sponsored by the British Association for the Study of Religions, the North American Association for the Study of Religion, and the International Association for the History of Religions. The Religious Studies Project is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, SCIO, a Scottish charitable incorporated organization, charity number SC0. 47750. Brought to you by founders and editors-in-chief Chris Cotter and David Robertson and managing editor Thomas J. Coleman III. Our features are edited by Marek Sullivan and Rebecca Barrett-Fox and our opportunities digest by Ella Bock. Podcast transcription by Helen Bradstock with audio editing by Gregory Schneider and Samuel Ward. Social media managed by Ray Radford, sales and marketing by Sammy Bishop and video editing by Jonathan Tuckett. Don't forget you can support the project by using our amazon.com.co.uk and .ca links or donating at patreon.com slash projectrs and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, iTunes and other portals.